All right, everybody, welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. Uh, thank you guys for joining again. I'm your host, Matt Mingus. Uh, glad to have you all listening. Uh, and this week we've got another guest. Uh, joined the Nuka Mill Tennessee chapter not too long ago and been uh, going back and forth trying to find time to get these guys on from Collier's Engineering. Jason Smith and Trey Hayes. Guys, how are y'all today? Doing awesome. How you doing? I'm doing good, Trey. Uh, Jason, how are you today, bud? I'm doing really well, sir. Thank you for having us. Well, man, again, thank you guys for joining. Um, y'all don't mind. I always like to kick these things off just about learning a little bit about you, how you got into industry, doing what you're doing. Uh, so, Jason, why don't you give us a little background on yourself first? All right. Well, way back when, 1996, a company called No Cuts uh, got me to uh, uh, get my hat in the mix of trying utility locating or like I call it now, hunting utilities. I uh, worked for there through a couple name changes. It became Central Locating Service. Then it became USIC. Uh, on the 811 side of the world, I've done technician, lead tech, supervisor, lead field suit, claims coordinator, assistant district manager, field manager, and district manager. Uh, about four and a half years ago, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to come into the world of subsurface utility engineering, and uh, I fell in love with it. Um, it's, it's definitely taken my passion to another level realizing uh, how much influence we have from the subsurface utility engineering side uh, on projects before, after, and during construction. So uh, looking forward to talking more about it today. Now I'll give it over to Trey. Man, I don't know if I can follow that. That was awesome. But uh, <laughs> I came in the industry in 1998, uh, came in in the company SMP, and I started, you know, one call locating and did one call locating there and they lost the contract moved over to a company called utiliquest did that for a little bit eventually uh you know utiliquest is merging with the other company sts i moved over to the sioux world probably about six years six seven years of being in in the industry i moved to a company called tampa bay engineers and that's what started my uh one call world uh been back and forth between the one call world and and a bunch of uh suit companies and one call companies like like jason i've done claims i've done uh you know uh supervising managing and now i'm uh here at colliers you know uh done it all over the world from las vegas to new york even in australia for a couple of years uh uh doing some uh sue and dial before you dig over there and now I'm here at Collier's. I'm the senior uh, project manager and the suit implementation manager. And uh, pretty much it's become my passion. It's become everything. This is the only thing I've ever done. Uh, you know, I, I was in the military for four years and then got out. And then this is all I've ever done. So the, the point of trying to, uh, you know, get people to understand the importance of uh, SUE and, you know, the difference between SUE and, you know, private locating and uh, the one call world, I think that's uh, uh it's definitely something that needs to be done. You know, you got a lot of people who are coming up with a ton of uh, acronym sums and SIMs and LMNLPs and everything else, you know, but it's just the, it, some of it's great, you know, and some of it's needed, you know, to, to define what it is. But, you know, ultimately I, I just am a big proponent of SUE and that's just where I stand with it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a uh, two impressive resumes there. I don't know how you can't follow him. He's done everything and you've been all over the world. So it's a, uh... That's two impressive resumes on the show. I like that. I've never had that that much knowledge on one subject and on one episode. That's freaking awesome. Uh, well, so I know you guys are big proponents of Sue, uh, but tell us a little more about Collier's and kind of what they do overall. And then, you know, we're going to talk about Sue, of course, but give us a little more background on Collier's. Go ahead, Trey. Well, Collier's, uh, 
we used to be, uh, I'll just go ahead and let you know, we were Mazer Consulting and then uh, we were acquired, uh, 65% of our company was acquired by Collier's, uh, the real estate company, which is a uh, uh, based out of Canada and I think has about 15,000 employees, 15,000, 16,000 employees. And they decided to try to get, you know, corner the market and get the engineering uh and architectural and, you know, all the other things that come with the geospatial survey, all that stuff uh, together. So they last year, I think we finalized it and we became Collier's Engineering Design. We have a, a litany of, uh, I mean, man, so many I can't even think of. You, you name it, we do it. We actually have people who build, you know, roller coasters uh, and design them here. You know, so we do it pretty much everything uh, from soup to nuts, you know, so. Pretty much, we literally have around 60-something offices, I think, now here in the Collier's Engineering Design, by 62, 63. We're steadily growing every day. It changes. We have, uh, I think, 2,000 people. We just acquired a couple of new uh, companies, one down uh, south uh, in Texas, uh, KFW, and then one up north, Bergman, which was an architectural firm. So uh, basically what we do here in our world, in the SUE world, actually, we, we are the uh, survey geospatial division and we pretty much do everything from survey to, you know, drones, LIDAR, uh, anything, Sue, anything that you can name. We, we, we GPR, you know, we have uh, Raptors, we have, uh, we, you name it, we, we do it, you know, if it can be done, we can do it, you know, so that's pretty much Collier's in the nutshell. It's just, we're trying to, uh, I think we have around, uh, you know, we are in, Denver is where I'm at now, and in New Mexico, we go Texas, and then we start going out east, uh, Tennessee, of course, and then we got uh, Georgia, Carolinas and Florida, and then we go up north. We got uh, all that uh, area up there around New York, New Jersey, and and kind of cover PA and all that stuff. So we pretty much can can cover a, a, a vast amount of area, and that's what's really good. We can pull together and pull guys from every office, and we kind of work under one system. So that's what's, what's even better. So you get the same deliverables. You get the same uh, uh, quality and everything across the board. So that's pretty much Collier's in a nutshell there. Oh, wow. So, yeah, y'all literally do it all, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. We do it all. From, from getting the land in the beginning to planning how the pipe goes in to, like Trey said, putting the roller coaster on the property at the end. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That we can get that for you. <laughs> that's, uh, that's impressive. That's an impressive operation. Well, like I said, guys, I'm, you know, you guys specialize in Sioux. It's great to have you guys in our chapter. You know, our chapter's focus is underground utility construction companies. You know, we build pipelines every day and companies like you guys are you know, a big benefit to us on the front end during the project. And just like you guys said in your intro, it's, you know, it helps us avoid huge delays or, or costly change orders or, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're starting a, a Sioux task force at Nuka. And Jason, I know you jumped on board to join that with us. And that's awesome. Really looking forward to have you guys expertise on there. Uh, so let's talk Sioux. What is, what is it? Can you guys give us a little bit better explanation of what Sioux is and, and, you know, what the main, the main goal of Sioux? Trey, you want to take that or you want me? Yeah, I'll take that too. If you want me okay. to. So, I mean, Subsurface utility engineering, you know, it's basically qualifying utility levels. You know, uh, you you can. You, I, I like to talk to people about you know the differences in what we do and what everyone else does. We qualify utility level to a certain point, and we use you know four quality levels to determine that. You know, A through D. You know, A being the best, D being actually the least amount of information is not the worst. It's just the least amount of information you're going to get. You know, and the difference between like the one call world out there protecting you no. Know, uh, 
uh, infrastructure, they're protecting property, they're pr- protecting you know people. And we do it in a roundabout way, but we try to make sure that we do it before they get to that point. You know, the design uh, uh, element of it. We want to make sure that we can, you know, uh, show them exactly where things are at, and that's the difference. You know, the exactness of it. You know, plus we have a a different uh, liability since most everything that we do, if it's going to be called a quality level, has to be uh, signed and sealed either by uh, a engineer, a surveyor, or a PG, you know, and that right there is what makes the difference, that liability that we take on. You know, of course, in the one call world, they take on a different level of liability just depending on, you know, how close they are to it, you know, and not to knock the one call. Like I said, I have a, a special place in my heart for the one call world because that's where I started at. You know, I do know that a lot of the one call, you know, just to jump off it real quick, they have impossible tasks sometimes. And I think that's where if it was a better understanding of what we could actually do, we could actually help out a little bit more because, you know, of course, being on both sides and working both sides for a long time, I could see how SUE could help. So I go through those quality levels, you know, uh, D is uh, records and recollection. So someone in the field said, hey, remember, they, they ran a pipeline through there. And as long as that's documented, that person we can utilize as quality level D information. C is going to be uh, anything that's a feature that we see it out there, you know, like manholes, handholes that we survey in. Uh, you know, valves, all those type of things that you can actually physically see. Uh, the quality level B, we're going to use an electromagnetic piece of equipment to uh, uh, identify the uh, horizontal position of a utility. And we try to make it 95% repeatable and, you know, use about six inches of tolerance, what we try to have it at. You know, uh, we, we have to be very precise with it because, you know, people are designing around this, you know. And if you have a certain, uh, uh, you know, the the parameters that they go with in the one call world is just different you know you know the some texas for example you know when i was doing one call it was 18 inches plus the nominal size of a pipe i know for uh, uh gas and it's different all across the world but you know if you do that you can get three to four foot swath of of information that you still have to figure out and that's all we're doing is gathering pristine information so when we take that information from our uh EM equipment, what we try to do is take the metadata and we process all that stuff into a GIS system. We, we At least we do. Uh, and we try to make sure that it's very pristine. So that quality level B has to be uh, symmetrical, what we call a round signal. And we teach our, our, our designators, which we call our designators, designators, because we're just telling you a designation of where that utility is. And we call our locators, the VAC truck guys, they're actually locating it you know most people call a locator locator but they're not really actually locating they're giving you a roundabout designation based upon the tolerance where they think it is you know uh, educated guess is what i would call it and then the quality level a being the uh highest level you know where we actually physically what people call it every you'll hear it called a lot of things test hole daylight and even the derogatory term of pothole you know the pothole is what, what came about when you know they used to do it in the street and then you literally have a pothole so people started calling it pothole so we that's the the best level that we see so you actually you know have 15 millimeters of tolerance on that so that's uh sue in a nutshell but it's a risk mitigation of of making sure that you know also includes the utility coordination side which is a whole nother probably a whole nother podcast but it's all together to give you pristine information of where utilities are in any uh requested area okay so when you guys are hired to perform sue what's the 
the you know the best time to perform sue or when you guys are hired to do your jobs at what point would you perform sue uh in that process well uh i'll take that one jason uh, again usually it just depends i mean it depends on who it is we get hired by municipalities uh, cities uh sometimes you can win the dot contract and a lot of them like to get it as early as possible you know it's a 30 percent phase of 60 percent and 90 percent and I would say in between the 30 and the 60 is when most people want to do it. And you usually don't get between until the 60 and the 90. You know, that's when the most of the time you, you might get that information. Then you're, you're behind a little bit most of the time. That's like everything. One call world. We're always trying to have the uh, uh, ideal time frame to do this and make sure that we can get the information to them. But, of course, you know, with different uh, funding issues and ways that things are paid, you usually get them later than, than, than earlier. So most people would try to hire us as early as possible. If you knew you was going to go uh, like DOT, they definitely, they're better at it than anyone. They're going to give us, you know, a project that might be two, three, four years out, you know, and you might do that to information, but you might do it two or three, four times in that four. It might be two or three different Sioux outfits that do it, you know, so. It just they're they're better than most people, but you get private contractors who confuse the one call world with the SUE world, and they want you to be out there and they want to be digging tomorrow, and they kind of want to be almost as they understand the uh, one call world. Oh well, well, we'll call them out there, even though they need the design around it, and they understand they need the design around it. They'll still call us at the last minute and then try to expect us to turn around in a fashion that they expect the one call world to turn around and we're about pristine you know uh, information and so it, it doesn't happen the same way we know we document everything we over document one of my favorite sayings and jason probably let you know is if you didn't document it didn't happen you know so we're going to over document our day our guys document their day they have a daily report they have to done 30 minutes before the day is so that way it's pristine information they're not making things up so uh to answer that question and not go too far down the rabbit hole uh early as possible would be the best way okay <laughs> all right the uh yeah I, I was about to ask you when you said you sometimes you get a project two three years in advance of the project actually starting it that that's the information could change in that time frame couldn't it the, exactly. somebody else come in there and do a little project so do you go back out more than once to verify all that information or do you how does that process work well, it's not always us. Sometimes it's another Sioux outfit. But yeah, they could add in a, a, a new fiber, a new water line. And it does change that information. But, you know, with being the government, you know, being uh, uh, local, uh, you know, DOTs, they all have their own way to do everything. Of course, you know, when they start utilizing, you know, SUE for DOT and they did studies about it, they could show that doing it prior would save a certain amount of money. So that's why they started to do it. But what happens is you get out there, you do it. And like you said, everyone don't talk. You know, there's not one central system that everyone can go to and say, hey, this is the GIS system that we have and everything has been done. And which is probably the biggest issue that we have in our industry is that something has been done and the next person is doing don't have any idea that it's already been done, you know, that the work has been done already. If there was a, a central uh database that everyone could go to at some point and say, hey, this has been done. This is what's current for this uh, area. And they understood how it was qualified. That's what makes, uh, you know, this is qualified at this level. That means that, hey, we found uh, records here. 
but we didn't find anything else. You know, some of the water might not be, you know, uh, tonable. It might, you know, it might not conduct a, uh, you know, uh, uh, electromagnetic signal. So at that point, you know, there's something there and you use, it's better than not having anything, you know? So I think what you're saying and what, what, I'm trying to convey is that, yeah, it is going to change and they have to continue to do it. So they usually hire another outfit, which their information doesn't match because their systems don't match. You know, Sue's only been around 42 years. So when this person gets out there and they tell you the cable TV line is really a fiber line, now you have an issue. So yeah. that's the biggest issue that we have is trying to get this system to be more uh, uh, universal. Universal. That's the- Good word. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, be more universal. Definitely. And that's the hard thing because, you know, you know, when you compare it, it's always compared to survey, right? And you'll hear a lot of people compare it to survey. But survey has been the second oldest profession, so been around forever. So it's, 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 it's easier for them to have systems that we don't have. And now when everyone gets in it, they're taking their understanding of what they think SUE is. It's only a guideline now. It's not even a, a standard. You know, it's a guideline of how to depict the utility. So uh, that's one of the biggest issues because you, you get someone who's calling a fiber, uh, uh, a cable TV line. That's a big difference in price and, and, and if you want to move that and all these type of different things. So, yeah, you can do it multiple times. Okay. Yeah, that's a interesting process. The um, so if you if you guys you get a job in the ideal time frame and you go out there to, to perform the sue the sue process. How's that process work? Do you work up to a certain quality level or do you work through all of them or, you know, what does that entail? That would probably depend on the client, right? Trey? Uh, I mean, yeah, some clients might not want quality level A. They might just want quality level B. Usually they do need quality level A. We're there to really consult. And some people try to do the, of course, they, you know, I always told them, you know, you got the cheap, fast, right theory. You can only pick two of them. The cheap and fast ain't going to be done right. You know, a lot of them, just want it cheap and fast, but they don't really care about right. They've in in essence are utilizing you as a insurance policy, but they always hurt themselves when they don't go through the entire gambit. You should do sue honestly through the entire gambit, if you ask me. I mean, it shouldn't just be, oh, we don't want quality level A. And and because they have a you know mom and pops company who goes out there and who oh can do a lot easier than you or quicker you know you see the guys with the and not to knock them either i mean they hustles their hustle but they uh uh you know have little trailers and they go out there and they dig it up and they take a, a ruler and stick it down there and they say oh this is how deep it is they ain't told you the size they don't know how, how what, what it is they haven't looked to see if there's two uh telephone packages running on top of each other so now you go through and you and, and once again you, you you don't if you don't understand sue you say oh he found one uh uh package of uh conduit going down there with two uh different conduits on top of it you don't realize there's eight more up under there and you drill through the bottom half of those because you don't have all the proper information you know our 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 engineer is there to make sure that all that's right you know our job is to protect our engineer seal so he's going to look at that and he's going to look at the plants he's going to look at the everything put the entire thing together he's going to look at what we what we've gathered from either you know whatever company it is that's out there, you know, telephone company, gas company, water, and it might be wrong, you know, because plans are wrong until we prove them right. Say you get out there and you have a a 16-inch wire line, but it's really a, a, a 24-inch because it was changed and nobody, uh, you know, the, the guy who was doing the as-built didn't care to uh, change that information. But you're going to do some type of, you know, of course you have a certain laws, you have to be a, a certain distances away from uh, utilities, especially if it's, you know, sanitary 
water, you know, especially in different states, you can't be within a certain uh, uh, distance of them. But you get the wrong information from the mom and pops company who doesn't have a engineer or a surveyor or a PG on staff. And then you go and you base all your information on that. And you go and you do a drill and you drill into the bottom half of a uh, 24 inch, you know, uh, distribution water line. It changes your whole world really quick. Oh, yeah. They can in a hurry. We've seen that happen just, you know, doing them. You know, I do mostly natural gas or all natural gas work for my, my day job and We've had that exact same thing happen, you know, not not to that scale of a 24-inch water line. We're just shooting a little mole underneath what we thought was a, a abandoned sewer line. Well, it was a water line, and we clipped the bottom of it because it was bigger than we thought, so that was a lot of fun. But, you know, at, to your point, if you do the do what you're supposed to, to to the correct quality, you can avoid all that nonsense. So that's a, exactly. a great, great point. Um, Well, I mean – Jason, you got anything you want to add? Hell, I feel like we're, we're ignoring you over there, man. Nah, it's it's. I uh, I sit in the room and, and sometimes admire my teammate when he talks. He's got a lot of knowledge to share, so I don't have an issue with that. Um, you know, we we try to make sure that we point out a couple of things about Sue. For example, you know, the big utility relocation cost. I'm sure you deal with that, right? You know, I mean, Sue's up oh, yeah. to like almost 41 percent reduction in that now. Um, construction design costs down almost 30 percent if you use Sue. And then the crazy part about that is that the total cost of Sue is usually about 1.7% of your project. So for us, we really can't understand why it's not being utilized more just for these reductions. And also you can prevent loss of life, right? If somebody misses an electric line that they didn't know was there or where I come from in Florida, um, they have an A, B and C phase and sometimes they only replace C. So C's over here and A and B's here. And these are things that get done that, uh, you know, by getting some Sue involved could, could help you out there. You know, we've also, you know, started doing something that we call, which is a, it's a form of Sue. It, it's subsurface utility engineering, and we call it low impact verification. And what we're trying to do with this is, you know, I come from the 811 world. Um, you know, I, I drive around like everybody else and see the excessive graffiti is what they call it, right? Uh, it's just... You know, over some of these intersections, I mean, I'm sure you're chuckling because I can only imagine the potholing that your guys do and, and, and stuff like that. And now that I'm in middle Tennessee, I don't think a shovel works. <laughs> um, nope. uh, the conditions here are different. Uh, for example, uh, uh, my dog brought a, a rabbit in the house the other day. My wife told me to go bury it. And uh, guys, it has an above ground tomb now under a tree that died because I couldn't dig. <laughs> so. <laughs> With the low impact verification, what we started trying to figure out was how can we help out, you know, the contractors that are actually excavating after the fact. And when we looked at it, it was kind of like, how could we, you know, we go out basically during construction and you say, for example, Matt, you say, hey, I think that, um, you know, this is marked excessively. I was driving through um, Murfreesboro the other day and someone had a duck bank going underneath a transmission pole. Anybody here that knows that there's no possible way that that duck bank is completely underneath the actual pole itself. So what we're trying to do now is go out and actually verify the marks and see if there's any type of an excessive put down for the marks. I know Trey said earlier, 811's dear to his heart. I have to tell you guys, I was there for 20 some years and I completely am similar to that. Um, but I think we got to get to a point and that we start we can't keep making excuses that people have too much work. I think it gets to the point where you hire more people, right? I mean, I'm just, you know, speaking from the outside in because a lot of times we're giving a pass to not doing the locate correctly because there's not enough time. 
I mean, that's consistent, right? I mean, just to be honest, that's consistently what's told. But in reality, the only person that's having any issue with that is the actual contractor that's doing work, right? For example, I mean, they're the ones that's getting hit the hardest because they're having to stop for lines they didn't know were there, or the easement is so painted that they're not able to excavate with due caution. And then you've come to find out when I got on the suicide and listen, I had guys, I had paint complaints more than anybody as a manager. I heard them. I've, I've removed paint myself with a pressure cleaner. So again, I'm playing both sides of the fence here that you, you it's not fair that, okay, an easement's 10 foot and there's 10 foot of paint if there's only four foot of utilities. Does that make sense? You know, for example, the long haul fibers, I'll use them as an example because I think this is one that stands out is there's maybe four two inch pipes in there. They pull fibers through, they have spare. With your pulling back on a reamer, the biggest that that could possibly be is 12 inches. And I'm saying if the pipes are swinging when the reamer's going crazy, that would be 12 inches. And you're seeing some of the times that because of whatever time or not having the time to do that, you'll see a five foot corridor for 10 inches of pipe or eight inches of pipe, excuse me, eight times two. So what we've started to do and we're running pilots on is we're going out and finding the width of the pipe and then contacting utility owners to request that the site be marked exactly how it looks, which means because we're, we're taking the time to open manholes. For example, on a conduit run tray brought up, you might have four, four inch conduits. The correct way to do it would be to hook up to each corner so that you get every pipe in the package. Unfortunately, we'll go back to the default of what we said a minute ago. They don't have the time to do it is what is cliche. And I'm just at a point, again, with SUE that we think we can help the actual excavator by identifying width and size, like Trey said, of the utility so that your actual path of excavation is what I call true, a true path of excavation, right? Where you can actually see what utilities are in the ground. And what we've realized, and I just I sent a, a, a PowerPoint to you where there was a, a duck bank for electric that was marked, uh, I think it was 12 feet with the tolerance zone. When we potholed both sides, because a contractor called me, he was planting trees down this one run. And it was 27 inches from side to side concrete duct. So now where he was going to have to hand dig and not be able to auger these trees, he was able to put his auger clear of every utility and go to town. So what we're trying to establish here now is just another way to get subsurface utility engineering into the front. Because in my true honest opinion about low impact verification, I was telling Trey this earlier that you know, I, I kind of came up with low impact verification on my own. And the 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 death of low impact verification would be just everybody using SUE. Because if they do it from the beginning, they would identify any redesign costs, any utility utility court, uh, relocations. We'd eliminate utility damages. But unfortunately, we're still in the beginning stages of people really seeing as we're talking on this call today, what the benefits of SUE are. I mean, I could tell you to I'm blue in the face that you're saving every dollar spent. You save twelve dollars and twenty three cents. And to me, as a person that loves to save money, that would be the sell off for me. But unfortunately, it really hasn't grasped the way we thought it would. And then, you know, me and Trey, we speak about it until we're blue in the face about the benefits of SUE. So we're really hoping that by getting into the contractors that are actually doing the work, showing them some savings and showing them how we can create this true path of excavation, that will get Sue more to the front than it need than it already is, and 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 going forward. Wow, yeah, that you know, as you were talking uh, about low impact verification, I was 
thinking the same thing. I'm glad you said it. You wouldn't even need that if people would just do sue the way that you're supposed to from the beginning. So that's a, you know, uh, that's a gr- that's a great point. Uh, well, guys, we've been talking for about half an hour now, and I don't want to give away all your secrets, you know. So uh, unless uh, I, I'm out of questions, so if y'all got anything else you want to add, uh, feel free. But uh, shoot, I'm gonna save some of your expertise for your for the people that hire you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just want to add something to what Jason said. You know, I'm in Colorado now, and it's a state law that over a certain size project, you have to, you know, do sue first. And we're pushing throughout the, you know, the 50 states to try to get that everywhere. And the hard thing is, is that that's why you have a certain size project, because, you know, the mom and pops, small types of, they call in for their house and things like that. Uh, that would give the one call guys more time to actually do their job. I mean, it's a couple of things that I, w- I, w- I say that, that that would change and could change the industry, which is proper education to the one call field. I didn't know that until I came into the Sioux world. This, this is kind of like I tell Jason, this is the matrix, the red and the blue pill, you know. And when you're over here, you have to kind of follow a certain lifestyle to to make it in the one call world but once you come over to the suicide it's you know take this pill and let's go down this rabbit holes really understand you know locate theory so that would be properly educating people how to utilize the equipment i think they don't educate them properly in the one call world because they one they don't know and then two and and and, and you'll get a lot of one call people that might get mad at me but if you knew and you and you didn't utilize it better then come on shame on you you know uh but you, you educate them how to utilize the equipment the right way, which would definitely uh, stop damages in a certain sense. I mean, mo- when I was a damage investigator uh, manager, the most of my damages came from no paint at all. You know, so that was if I could get paint out there at all, I could probably get at least split the damage with the, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, I was working for Atmos. Uh, I was working for a gas company at the time. And I could at least split it with them because, you know, I could improper installations. A lot of things that go along with, you know, not properly uh, locating. And I say locating in the one call world, not locating the utility. So putting the paint on the ground, that's, that's, that's a wheel issue. It has nothing to do with skill. You can go out there and just throw paint anywhere. And I probably could have somehow got improper installation because uh, we instituted a go back behind and rehook up and see if it was actually installed. And a lot of the stuff on the gas side at that time wasn't installed correctly. So that was another one. But I think the, the, the third thing was just the sheer amount of misuse, uh, abuse, and contractors aren't going to like this, that contractors actually do when they call in on the ticket. They literally will overcall the ticket when you know that you're not going to be there, 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 and that. That's a whole nother podcast, too. But the point is, if you could eliminate those three things right there and then utilize SUE for the big projects that's there and let the one call guys take care of the smaller projects, you know, and then we create a a central database where everyone could go and say, hey, that's what we should do. We could put all of us out of a job, which is it take a long time. But I could could work hard to get us uh, uh, out of a job by mapping everything. And then putting it in a system, and as that system changes, you accurately update that system. So if we could do that, I think we could definitely change, uh, you know, uh, uh, the world in which we're talking about, and definitely, uh, you know, make it easier for and, and more efficient for one for contractors and everyone else to to do their job. Yeah, that's I, I agree, hundred percent. What you're saying, the uh, it, it it's funny. We I was a part of uh, the Infrastructure Protection Coalition. We put out the eight one one emergency study. 
Uh, and that was one of the first things contractors said was, you guys are blaming us for overcalling tickets. I said, well, we're not blaming you. You do it. And they're you know, making all a million excuses on why they do it. I didn't say you weren't justified. You still do it. and It still adds to the problem. People not getting stuff marked, people call, overcalling tickets. It, there could be a million reasons for it. It's still happening, and it still adds to the problem. So what you're saying is absolutely right. There is a solution to that, and we all just have to kind of take ownership of our por- our part of it, and we can you know we can make that go. So interesting tidbit too. Before you go, when I was in Australia, die before you dig. The contractors paid for the tickets. Believe it or not, they didn't overcall really? those tickets. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> oh, when you not. got out there. When you got out there to do your ticket in, in Australia, there's a couple lines they couldn't dig on because it was state laws. They couldn't dig on any gas line if you were in, if there wasn't a representative there or any telecommunication lines. Everything out in Australia is on alignment, pretty much where I was at in Perth. You know, the gas is at, at a meter and electric is at a meter and a half, water is at two meters. So everyone knew, knows where the utilities are at. The services are the biggest issues and then the ones they can't dig on. So you call, you get a ticket and you get out there and they actually had to pay for that ticket. So they weren't, they was going to tell you, they have everything else dug up when you got out there pretty much. It was sand. It's like being in Florida where Jason's from, but uh, you know, and GPR were awesome out there, but you know, uh, you didn't have the abuse of the ticket system. I'm not campaigning for contractors to pay for tickets, but if they did, they would call in accurately, but to their defense too, some of the 811 systems are unbelievably hard to call in the ticket. And I ain't gonna call no names, but a lot of them are just, oh my goodness. Well, how'd you make the system this difficult? You know, so if they made it, the systems a little bit easier and they accepted, you know, PDFs or KMLs or anything that could, you know, pictures or whatever to the system that could show where you were at and they could, you know, because in this day and age, we're too advanced. You know, we got phones that put, you know, as, as geo-referencing the actual location. Why can't you utilize that? That doesn't make any sense, you know. Uh, so well, I will say Florida 811, you can upload a map, you can upload a picture, PDF and all that. Uh, I've gotten to Tennessee and I've been talking with Bill and Craig and I know it's pretty hot up here in Tennessee to try. They were curious what the advantages versus disadvantages were. And, you know, I explained to them, for example, I, I had, I think it was 50 poles. We had to do cubes for a uh, electrical client in Florida and I had to call in 50 poles. So instead of saying to locate the whole thing, it was obviously a lot easier to give them PDFs with every exact pole location with the northing and easting so they could find the exact location of the pole and had no look around and they weren't locating, let's just say it was six miles where there was the 50 poles. Instead of doing six miles, they did 50 single locations because I provided the northing and easting. Yeah, that would definitely yeah. change the game. And in this day and age, there's absolutely no reason why we can't create an app because it's an app for everything go out there and take a picture while you take the picture. That's why I want to do my thing. It geo-references everything. It knows exactly what you want to do, even a video. It's just absolutely no reason. They're making the system way too hard. And there's one uh, state that I ain't going to call their name. PA. <coughs> I ain't going to say it. <laughs> I ain't going to call their name. Man, I called in some tickets there. I was like, oh, my God. They kept, I mean, it took me like three weeks. I might have been slow or something like that. I'll take that. But it took me like three weeks to get my ticket uh, 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 accepted. Not even done. Accepted. It was rough. Wow. And once I learned it, I went through the class, too. So I might be a little bit slow, but who knows? I went through the class. I still <laughs> couldn't get them to – and then getting them to answer the phone was hard. It was just crazy. So if they can do all that, I think it makes it uh, better for everyone. You know, 
and then just making sure that the whole that, that the public understands that what's under the ground because they have no clue either, you know. And they're doing better. A one one's doing a lot better. You're starting to see it on you know uh, uh, football games and basketball games now, and you know, and different types of advertising, you know. But you know, doing some some more PSAs, I think, would be awesome. You know to let the public know what the locators are doing. And by the way, it's locator week out here. So thank a locator. If you uh, see a locator, you know, uh, and uh, making sure that those guys are protected while they're out there in the roads and on the side of the roads and everything else, you know, you got to be aware of what these guys are doing and you're not, you know, thinking that they come to shut your cable and your gas, I'll pay your bills. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, you know, if we could do all that for them, you know, I think we could, we could fix this system quickly. No, I think you're right. I tell you what, you're right. Locators got a tough job, man. There, we got a. There's a ton of work going on, and I, I know with the traffic control, I call in just to protect my crews. There, those guys out there working on the side of the road with basically no protection. Uh, that, that that's a a dangerous job. So, uh, like Trey said, if you see a locator, think a locator, look out for them. Keep your eyes peeled because they're out there in the in the middle of the road trying to make us, you know, be able to do our jobs too. So, yes, sir. Uh, Jason, any parting words from you, bud? Just it's locator safety and appreciation week. Uh, Trey just kind of touched on it. You know, just when you see one, thank them. I don't think people realize the uh, the the work that they do and the they put their lives on the line in intersections and doing these cables every single day. Uh, you know, I've been on the front line. I, I started on the ground in '96, but you know, just if you see one, if you know one, you know, bring them a Gatorade, stop and say hi. I think it's a it's one of the actual. Uh, I guess I would say uh, careers that doesn't get as much, uh, you know, thanks as it probably should. So with it being the locator safety and appreciation week, just saying thanks to all the locators and uh, designators, as we call it out there throughout the world. Perfect. Well, guys, thank you all again for coming on. That was a ton of knowledge packed into that last 40 minutes there. So it's a, I'm excited to have you guys as a part of the chapter here in middle Tennessee, excited to have you guys joining us on that task force uh, for the NUCA sue initiative that we're we're going after to see how what you know to try and decide how, what, what position nuka needs to be taken on that because it's obviously something that where there's a need and we need to be working towards and improving it and, and getting more involved in in the jobs we do from day to day because it's there's obviously a huge advantage to it there so again thank you guys for joining us uh, i really appreciate it guys thank you thank for you. having all right, Jason and Trey have left the recording. So again, huge shout out and thank you to those guys for coming on and being a part of this, and you know even even volunteering their time to be a part of the Sioux subcommittee that the Damage Prevention Committee has started, and uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, so, uh, a lot of great information there, guys, uh, and, and a lot to learn and things we can do with Sioux. So I, I'm looking forward to what this subcommittee is going to be talking about and how uh, you know Nuka can get more involved with the administration of Sioux and maybe how we can help bolster, uh, that, that, that progress. So, uh, again, thanks to Jason and Trey for coming on. That was awesome. Uh, uh, with that guys, uh, we'll, I'll wrap this thing up, uh, by as always gutting y'all know what's coming up, uh, nuke of East Tennessee, uh, May 16th golf tournament coming up. Looks pretty, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Trent safety stand down June 23rd. Uh, then they've got their equipment rodeo in August the the clay shoot dove hunt and chili cook off in september uh they've got a, a tennessee tailgate going on in october although they've got that uh at the tennessee versus kentucky game and uh, uh go cats there guys sorry y'all uh then in their annual meeting coming up in november and holiday party in december so big pack schedule for nuka of east tennessee 
Uh, same thing here uh, in, in Middle Tennessee. Uh, we got our first annual golf tournament coming up next week. Uh, I know we're the deadline to register is technically closed, but if you go right now, Natalie might be able to help you out. Uh, you know, we're less than a week from teeing off on that, so I'm very excited about that out at the Hermitage. Uh, then coming up in June, we got uh, Game Terminal. Uh, you know, we did this last year. It was a ton of fun. This year, we're, we're doing it at a time. Bring your kids. You know, they're going to enjoy this. All the old school arcade games we used to play, tons of pinball, everything. You know, anything that you want to play is there. It's a, it's a ton of fun. Uh, then in November, the third annual Shotguns and Shovel is is already scheduled, so uh, get that on your calendar for November 3rd. And, and that's just a small glimpse of all the stuff that Natalie has in those weekly emails. Uh, she's got tons of webinars. I sat in on a webinar last week on, on employee record keeping, which is a subject nobody ever likes to talk about, but it's a subject that we have to have. Uh, so she's got tons of webinars scheduled, tons more events that she's already working on, putting on the books. Uh, so be checking those weekly emails, visit those websites for East Tennessee and Middle Tennessee NUCA chapters, uh, ETN, or no, I'm sorry, I'm doing that backwards, NUCA, ETN for uh, NUCA of East Tennessee, and then NUCAMidTN.com for uh, NUCA of Middle Tennessee. Uh, go on and check those out, guys. They're great websites. They've got a lot of information in them. Uh, then Nuka National coming up is a uh, National Signing Day, May 12th. You know, we're trying to get everybody on the, out there recruiting, getting more members in, continuing to grow the power and the voice of what Nuka offers. Uh, Washington Summit's coming up. Uh, train the Trainer is always available. You guys, just call and contact Nuka and find out the best way to set that up. Uh, as we just talked about, Trent Safety Stand Down's coming up. Uh, then Safety Directors Forum is planned uh, for, ne- for November as well. And then, uh, we'll, again, we'll have a national convention coming up, uh, just like always. So, guys, tons and tons of things coming from NUCA. Uh, a lot of great information coming your way. So, uh, you know, like we just talked about with Jason and Trey, jump in, get involved, be a part of these things. Help shape the way your industry is moving because that's what we're trying to do. So, with that, guys, I'll wrap this up. So, thanks for listening. Y'all stay safe out there and keep digging Tennessee.